0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. So these are some of the local missions that we support, and your support is helping them to spread the word. And you've seen in some of the questions that were asked to these local missions, how do you spread the word? How can we help you? Spread the Word of God. It's something that we're passionate about and we want to keep moving forward with at all times, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and moving His Word forward. It's a topic near and dear to my heart and one we're going to talk about, continue to talk about this morning, spreading the Word of God. I want to look at two modes, if you will, of spreading God's Word, and one is about all of us. It's about us as individuals. How do we spread God's word? How can we better spread God's word? How can we get extraordinary at spreading God's word? And second, another way is through the church. How as a church and a unit, can we move God's word forward? So first, I want to address you this morning about individuals how we as individuals can better spread God's word. And, of course, I'm going to go right to his word, in the book of Acts, chapter 4, and talk about two individuals. They are the apostles Peter and John. After Jesus was resurrected and ascended into heaven, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they really became bold. They started to talk to people about God's word in Jerusalem. Now, of course, this was the uh, capital of Judaism. It was where the temple was. It didn't really make the Jewish religious people too happy. As a matter of fact, they were agitating the priests and the leaders, John and Peter, just by merely talking about Jesus. This Jewish ruling council called the Sanhedrin, they had gotten a little. Uh, disturbed with Peter and John because these two, they were just teaching and talking about Jesus. And then one day on their way into the temple, and it's part of uh, what I read to you this morning from Acts chapter 4, they walked in, they saw a paralytic man at the gate and they said, silver and gold, we don't have it, but what we have, we're going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, get up and walk. And you know, that guy got up and he walked. And that irritated some of the leaders in the Jewish temple, the priests and the Sanhedrin. They didn't like it. They didn't like it because Jesus was becoming the center of it all. And they wanted to be the center of it all. So they were upset. They seized Peter and John They began to interrogate them. And so to this uh, really unruly interrogation, Peter and John gave a reply. I want to read you some of that reply from Acts chapter 4. It's verses 11 through 20. They're uh, being called really to defend why they're speaking about this man, Jesus. So Acts 4.11, it says... And this is Peter and John talking. They say, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there, is neither, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage, they being the Sanhedrin and the priests, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And that, of course, is the name of Jesus. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. I don't want you to catch that last line. I want you to pay attention to that last verse. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Last week, we talked about shepherds, the shepherds who were at the birth of Jesus. They had heard very little. They didn't know much, only that the child who was born was one who was called Christ the Lord. They had heard through an angelic vision. They found the child in the manger in Bethlehem. And they left after seeing just that, a baby, and hearing just a very, very small portion of the gospel, they left spreading the word. They went out telling others what they had seen and heard. Now here in Acts chapter 4, the apostles John and Peter, they have a much fuller and complete picture of what this is all about. They have a fuller picture of Jesus Christ. They were with him as he walked The earth, as he walked through the different cities, as he healed people, his three and a half years of ministry, as he taught multitudes, they witnessed as Jesus was falsely arrested and he was falsely accused. They saw him beaten and flogged. And then he was crucified, hung on a tree and buried in a tomb. How stunned they were. Peter and John, we read about how they ran to the tomb three days later only to find that it was empty and they were speechless. Jesus appeared to them then afterward and they witnessed as Jesus ascended into heaven before their very eyes. So they had a great and complete picture, much more so than the shepherds who had only witnessed just a little bit. And now, Peter and John, they're being threatened with imprisonment and beatings and floggings, and they are told to stop speaking in the name of Jesus Christ. And what is their response? We can't help it. We cannot help it. We must talk about him. And now, the connotation here is not a lack of self-control. That's not what they mean when they say, we can't help but speak about him. You know, when you're at the office... Or you're at work, and you're walking by that gracious person who's brought in the box of Krispy Kremes, and you stop. Can't help it. Can't help it. Got to have a Krispy Kreme, right? Can't help it. That's a, that's a self-control thing. That's not a discipline thing. The connotation here is about a passion. It's about a zeal. It's about a conviction these apostles were so certain, they were so sure, they were fully and completely persuaded that Jesus Christ had died for them and that he had resurrected and he was victorious over death, and out of that certainty and out of that confidence arose arose a, a, a compelling. Confidence to speak about Jesus Christ. So they said in their defense before these Jewish council leaders, We can't help but speak about what we have seen and heard. Like the shepherds who had three decades earlier declared the birth of the Savior, they talked to others about what they had seen and heard. And yet they were not scholars. They were not academics. They weren't leaders of high standing. These apostles were likewise. We just read in Acts 4. They were ordinary, unschooled men. But they had a better teacher. They had a greater schooling. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were witnesses of never-before-seen supernatural events. And they couldn't help it. They were compelled. They had to spread the word about what they had seen and heard. And I said to you last week, we have all seen Jesus. And it wasn't a question. I didn't ask you if you've seen Jesus. It was a statement. We've seen Jesus. As sure as the shepherds saw the baby in the manger, we've seen Jesus. As certain as John and Peter witnessed the glory of the Lord ascending into heaven, we've seen Jesus. Jesus. Our witness is not to the literal occurrences of the crucifixion or the resurrection or the ascension, all of which Peter and John were able to witness and testify about. They actually saw it. They literally saw it. And our witness isn't by that literal seeing, but it's by the witness and the power of the Holy Spirit, not with literal eyes, but with the eyes of our heart. Paul the Apostle, he wrote to the Ephesians in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. He wrote, I pray for you. I pray for you, Ephesians. And what was his prayer? He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be open. I pray that the eyes of your heart will have enough light to see what is the hope of God's call. What is the richness of God's glorious inheritance among believers? And what is the richness of God's call and his inheritance, it's Jesus Christ. It's not through literal eyes that we've seen Jesus, but it's through the eyes of our heart that we've seen him. We've seen him by the grace that he's poured out in our lives. We've seen him by the salvation that he's given us and the fact that he's paid our penalty for sin. We've witnessed Christ in our lives and we've seen him in others' lives. And we can testify about what he's done for us. On Tuesday when, I, when that call came in and I heard the message, a man crying on the phone. Ah, he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus in that he was healed of something in his neck and it's gone. He didn't literally see him, but he had a healing. That's the power of Christ. We've witnessed his power displayed throughout the universe. We've heard of him. We've witnessed him. And are we not so convinced Are we not so sure? Do we not have an assurance that Jesus Christ is real, that he died for us, that he's important, that he was victorious over death, hell, and the grave? Are we not so sure that we can't help but talk about it? We are ordinary people, like the ordinary men who are faced with threat of harm, yet they could not help but speak about Jesus. And they became extraordinary evangelists. Go from extraordinary to extraordinary. Make it your point to not be able to help but speak about the Jesus that you know and the Jesus that you've seen and the Jesus that you've heard. And I'm not saying that you walk into a crowded movie theater and you begin to shout about Jesus. It's, again, it's not about uh, being uncontrolled. It's... This is not a self-control. It's a discipline. It's knowing with assurance so much that your Christ has saved you and that everyone else should hear about it, that you use wisdom. The apostles used wisdom. When Jesus was with them, he had said, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That is, use wisdom. When you go from the ordinary to the extraordinary for Jesus, when you're at the place where you can't help but talk about him, be aware of the opportunities, of where you can share the gospel. But be conscious of your surroundings. Know that in the world you're surrounded by wolves. And what would they want to do? They want to be like the, like the Sanhedrin. They want to shut you down. They want to hem you in. And we know that the world is doing that through, through laws and, and through rules and regulations. But you know, we can still spread the word despite that. We can still go from ordinary to extraordinary. And the word of God will spread. And all of us as individuals have a part in doing so. And we have a part in getting his word out to the world. Think about that. Think about that as your week unfolds. You might have an opportunity that walks right up to you. But think about how you also can help others to spread the word. Think about those that we presented for the past couple of weeks and talked about, whether you've been here on Wednesdays or Sundays or even if you've just seen it for the first time this morning, the missions that we support, these people can't help but talk about Jesus Christ. Whether it's folks like uh, Dr. Chris and Jane Palakis who are uh, over in Uganda as our missionaries, or Sharon Hester in Kenya, Uh, who's doing a work through Basket of Hope. And by the way, I heard from Sharon this week, she called from Kenya and said things are going great over there and they've had uh, a wonderful, cool spell. She said it it gets down to maybe uh, 90 during the day and it's been 75 at night. She said it's 75, we actually have to use blankets. And she was kind of thrilled about that. And she said, this Wednesday, we're going to be hearing from Bob Reed, uh, one of her associates, and he has come back from Africa. He's here in the States. We're going to hear from him. She said, you're going to hear a great report from Bob this Wednesday, and I'm looking forward to it. Think about these missions and the other foreign missions we support in Ecuador and and in Mexico and in Egypt and the local missions, which you heard a little bit about uh, this morning, We have Abigail and Life Challenge that we support, Gateway to Glory, Reconciliation, All Worthy of Love, Life Builders. If you need to know more about them, just pick up a heartbeat of Bethesda. They're all talked about. But really go before the Lord and pray about how you might support them, not just with your prayer but also financially, and be ready next week to respond. Use the little form that you received today and be ready next week so that we can support these that are in all these various parts of our community and the world who can't help but spread the word of God. Your individual support with prayer and with financial help is important. And as a unit, as a church, together, our, our support is also important. The church as a unit plays a part in spreading the word. So it's as individuals as I talked about last week, as you cast the seed, as you respond to opportunities, as you, as you can't help but speak about the, the word of God and spread it, as a church and as a unit, we have a role. The church is prepared and is being prepared and equipped to do well in advancing God's word. Beyond what the individual does, I think we need to talk about what we do as a church, as a local body. As the book of Acts unfolded, we see the experience of the individual apostles begin to to gel together, and they formed bonds, and they began to organize, and they began to set structure that was necessary for the church. Their examples of evangelism individually were important, but the church grew and it became structure and an organization of the church followed as you read through Acts 6 or or, the book of Acts. And I want to give you an example from Acts 6. This is verses uh, 1 through 7 where it begins to really illuminate us about the structure of a developing church. It reads, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So there was a complaint, there was a problem. Verse two, so the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word or it, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose 7 men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over them, over to them, and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. So they loved it. They had a problem with complaining, now they had a solution. The proposal pre- pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So there was a problem, there was a solution. The church became more organized, and what happened? The word of God spread. The number of disciples increased rapidly. The church grew with what I would call two different uh, portions, and that is the expected and the unexpected the common, the ordinary folk, the people to whom the message was being presented, they heard it, they received it, they believed in Jesus Christ, they came to faith. But we also read here that a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And I call that the unexpected. Remember, it was the priests who were against Peter and John. They wanted these guys to stop. Actually had them flogged after they had interrogated them. They were against Peter and John. But now, after the church had been better organized, after complaining had been quieted, after servant leaders were set in place, even the priests, even those who were persecuting the faith, were coming to Christ. Who would have expected them? And yet they came. How is it How is it that the word of God began to spread so powerfully? How is it that that the disciples began to increase so much? The church had become more structured. The framework of the church became more evident. Servant leaders were set in place to minister to the people. The complaining about uh, certain widows being neglected, that got nipped in the bud. An order was established. And I don't think for a moment the apostles who said, we can't do that, we can't be taking care of the widows, I don't think that they thought helping widows was beneath them. That's not the point. No, they had a different area of responsibility and they couldn't get spread too thin. They couldn't do it all. And when they were freed up to focus on these areas, the areas of prayer and of ministry of the word of God, The church loved it. They responded. The people were glad for the proposal. And there was leadership and there was structure and there was unity and there was no more complaining. Those who were called to focus on the word were able to focus. Those who were called to ministry of service were able to focus on that. The people supported their leaders together, united. Something began to happen. The word of God began to spread and the church grew and the church was better for it because the church was better prepared for it. To receive those that they expected, and they were better prepared even to receive those that were unexpected, their former persecutors. And you know, I want Bethesda Christian Church to be that kind of church. I want us to be united. I want us to be people who know our areas of service, that we understand God's gifts and callings on our life and we get involved in those areas and together united and prepared. We're ready to receive any and all who God sends through these doors. Over the past year, and especially the past several months, there have been some changes here at Bethesda. And if you haven't noticed, you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> there have been changes in our day-to-day, our day-to-day operations. There have been changes in our ministries. There have been changes in our leader, leadership. And all of this has been done in that we move forward better prepared and ready and better able and more equipped to spread God's word, the gospel. And overwhelmingly, the church here has been supportive. Overwhelmingly. And I say thank you to you all for that support. I do thank you. But from time to time, there's a complaint. And I'll be perfectly open with you. I've had my own moments. And my wife has kindly said to me, she has said, Pat, you appreciate Pastor Dunn a lot more now, don't you? <laughs> and there have been times where I've said yes, absolutely. But they've been infrequent and they've been few but when they occur and if they have occurred with you and i think we all have the propensity to complain from time to time let's set aside those criticisms let's set aside those complaints and focus on what god would have us to do because we need to be prepared When we're united, I have no doubt God is going to send people to us. He's going to send those we expect, and he's going to send those that we don't expect, and we really need to be ready for that. And I think we are. I feel the unity here in this house. I have been overwhelmed, and I mean it, inundated with positive feedback since last week, and our service outside and our picnic, it has been just one person after another. I even received a message that said, God's excited. So that was great to that was great to hear. And I believe we can move forward as a church, being ready to advance God's word because we're prepared and because we're unified. And we're going to even get stronger this morning. We're going to make our organization our organization even stronger. We're going to add six new deacons to our church council this morning. And we're going to close our service by installing them in their office and praying over them. Paul wrote to Timothy. And in First Timothy chapter 3, he wrote about this idea of being a servant leader, an overseer, he said, "Here's a trustworthy saying: Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach. That is, there to be blameless, to be without fault, you can't point a finger at him. They should be faithful to their spouse, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. They must manage their own family well and see that their children are obedient, and they must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage their own family, how can they take care of God's church? They must not be a recent convert, or they may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. They must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that they will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. And then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. So we have six individuals to put before the church this morning. Two months ago, we placed them before the church council in order that they might first be tested, as is scriptural. We heard nothing and then we put them before you, the greater congregation, a month ago. And once again, we haven't found anything to bring against them. So this morning, in the name of the Lord, we are gonna charge and set apart, ordain and commend to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ these fellow laborers who have come from this congregation as deacons. And we do so... On the authority of the Scriptures. So this morning I invite to the platform Jesse and Kristen Allen, Joshua and Rebecca Malkin, and Michael and Veronica. We're adding these six to our ranks of deacons and the deacons who serve alongside our elders, and they comprise our church council. I'm going to ask before we pray that these six would make a vow and keep a promise. So Kristen and Jesse, Rebecca and Joshua, Veronica and Michael, I require your promise. Do you subscribe to the doctrinal standards of this church rejecting all teaching which contradicts them and promise to do the work of your office faithfully in a way worthy of your calling and in, and in submission to the government and discipline of this church. Thank you. So therefore, by the authority of the word of God and the witness of the Holy Spirit in your lives, I want to give you this charge. Be strong in the grace That is in Christ Jesus. Be diligent to commit the word of truth as your constant guide. Be attentive to entrust the gospel to faithful men and women who shall be able to teach others to do so also. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. Do not entangle yourself with the affairs of this life, but store up treasures in heaven that you may be crowned with the crown of righteousness. Serve others with humility. Be gentle unto all. Be apt to teach, patient in meekness instructing those who may oppose you. Speak the things which are of sound doctrine. In all things show yourself as a pattern of good works, in your teaching showing integrity, sincerity, and soundness of speech that cannot that cannot be condemned. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the lord deacons and elders in our congregation i'm going to ask you to please stand congregation as you look around and you see throughout throughout the sanctuary these who are standing there are our active deacons and our elders who comprise our church council you see them all over. They're integral to this congregation. They're part of the fabric of this congregation. They are workers and servants alongside of each of you. They're part of a structure of leadership which strengthens and bonds the church, helping to accomplish much for the kingdom of God. And I'm going to ask everyone now if you'd also please, please uh, rise as we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you all as a congregation if you would, too, make a promise. Will you people of God receive these office bearers as Christ's gift to the church? Will you recognize in them the Lord's provision for a healthy and strong church and hold them in honor, take their counsel earnestly, respond to them with respect, Accept their service with gratitude. Sustain them in prayer. Encourage them with your support. And acknowledge them as the Lord's servants among you. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. And we're going to pray for them now. And and if you would like, you can raise a hand toward each of these who are on the platform. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the willing hearts and the able hands that are kneeling at this altar before you this morning. God, we thank you that they have uh, wanted and desired to be servant leaders at this, your church, your local church, Bethesda Christian Church. God, we pray right now that you would anoint them in their office. God, that you would plant them and root them. Lord, use them as laborers in your vineyards. God, may they hold the office in high integrity. May they serve you with respect, God. May they do well in all that they do, God. When times of a trial or tribulation come their way, may they ever be looking to... your word as it's as a guide and as a director. Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit would be upon them and in them and use them in their walk, Lord, and use them in their ministry, God, and use them in their service for this church, God. Strengthen them and uphold them, God. May their uh, desire continue to be rooted down in you, Lord. May they ever walk faithful with you, God. Touch them and bless them, Lord. Receive them as deacons of this church, God. We thank you and we pray you. May everyone in this congregation, God, who has a hand laid uh, raised right now, Lord, may they also support them, Lord. May the support of this church be under them as Jesus Christ is under them as their rock. We thank you and we praise you for this church, Lord. We pray that you would continue to use each one. God, we pray as the future unfolds that the church would be stronger because of these six who are kneeling their lives before you today. Father, we thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus, and we ask that you would just establish them, root them, and keep them in their office of ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. you. We're going to have a closing prayer. But before you leave today, I'd ask instead of going out the back doors that you would make a point to come up front here because these new deacons of ours who are going to serve this local church are going to come down to these altars and I'd like you just to take a moment to greet them. If you don't know them, shake their hand and congratulate them. They've stepped into an area of service and we appreciate it. And I'd like you to show your appreciation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence This morning, in our time of worship and praise, in our time at the altars, Lord, I know your Holy Spirit has met people. Father, may we hear good testimonies as we heard even Tuesday in a call that you're still in the healing business. Thank you, Jesus. Continue to give us those testimonies. And Lord, thank you for being here in the breaking of the word and the establishing of your church. And Father, I pray that you would bless all those who are here. Bless them and watch over them as they go. Bless every family represented and keep them. Be their front and rear guard. Be on their right and their left. As they go about their business this week, Lord, remind them. Help them that they couldn't help but speak about you when an opportunity arises, God. And bless each one as they consider a gift to the missions department. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and commit it all unto you in that powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.